Hooray! It's happy times and places where some middle-aged bloke rambles on through an episode of Doctor Who, trying to accentuate the positive, think of interesting things to say, and guess what his special guest's favourite things about the episode are. We're going to need a better tagline. Hello, um, my name is Paul Cornell, I'm a writer, and um, you can find me on paulcornell.com. And um, my um, story that I'm going to nominate for Toby is The Curse of Peladon. Well, welcome everybody. It's time for episode three of The Curse of Peladon, which I, to my surprise, have been thoroughly enjoying. I, as I say, I thought I'd quite enjoy it. I've always found it perfectly diverting. I'm loving this. It's like having been on a comfy sofa in front of a log fire. I am in front of a log fire, but it's not been lit. And I'm not on a comfy sofa. I'm on a sofa that is knackered, but I can't afford a new one. But that's a first world problem. What would it be like being on a medieval planet where you can't even get access to the Galactic Federation who will no doubt be able to provide you with sofas instead of the uncomfortable stools that you're sitting on uh, right now. So uh, I am going to... <laughs> oh, no, I don't need the remote control for the Blu-ray player because I'm watching on BritBox. And I'm going to press select or play or whatever it is I do in three, two, one. Uh, I've pressed it. I promise I've pressed it. No? Yeah, I have. Oh, it took a while there. It's like filling in a form to get entry into the Galactic Federation. Um, Alexa, volume four. Look at that. I love this title sequence. And I'm seeing it occasionally. Um, well, I suppose p people sometimes wonder what, what I watch on. I've, taken, I've, I've got a projector. So I, w I watch it on a, on a wall. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of this Doctor Who much bigger than I've ever seen it before, because I've never really had a gi giant telly or anything, but we uh, we don't have a telly at the moment. We just have a, a project projector. So we have the establishing shot of the citadel of Peladon on, on Mount Megeshra. Now, I was thinking about this just this afternoon when I was con considering uh, doing these two episodes tonight, episodes three and four. And I think when I was younger, I'd always got it in my head that the cliffhanger was the doctor being made to fight Grun the king's champion and i don't know if that's because the doctor Who magazine episode guide or archive said that or it's one of the end of the chapters in the book but i remember when i did finally get the full version of this on video which was quite late in the day because as ever it was a story that i'd seen even though i'd seen it as a youth and i'd only seen it once there were a lot of stories when i was collecting dvds i had never seen they were the priority. So this was this was quite a late one. Familiarity breeds contempt, or at least, you know, uh, it's like I've 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 had him. <laughs> I, I want to try something new. Um, uh, but anyway, so when I did finally watch it, and the and the episode ending was you are sentenced to death. I remember being oh oh that's quite unusual. And of course, I'd seen that cliffhanger because I'd watched Doctor Who and the Monsters. Um, Lenny Wayne's camera work is really interesting because um, I, I, I never massively rated him as a as a particularly fascinating director. 
of, of Doctor Who. I like his kooky camera angles in The Three Doctors, but that has a lot of problems in terms of production, Three Doctors. Um, a Monster of Peladon is, is, is not great. I've always had a soft spot for The Hand of Fear. I'm looking forward to doing that because uh, I've always thought it's got unnecessarily short shrift. But here we are on Peladon. The camera is thrusting backwards and forwards and between people in the... And, and, and the, there are some, some great close-ups, um, but also some great um, sort of positioning of all of, all of the characters. Um, and Pertwee is absolutely made for being noble in a medieval castle and then having to have a big fight. Uh, and I will be interested to see... How much of this episode is a big fight? And that see, there's a zoom going right in, but it 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 somehow it doesn't seem. Oh, that's a great shot of uh, Blore. Uh, Blore, forgive me. Grun, are you saying all Queen's champions look the same? Um, Grun shot from below. Gordon Stothard, aka Gordon St Clair. Oh, I found the email I got about him. It was a it was a blind alley. I think Gordon is still around and living in Australia. Um, Oh, the doctor, the doctor, gambling a little bit there with the, uh, with his, uh, his, you know, false position. But you know, Hepesh doesn't know, so it is a, it you know, it is a, it is a useful gambling tool, although one that is on a very dodgy premise. So that again makes quite good drama because you go well. It's a perfectly good reason why Hepesh might you know want to avoid that situation because he doesn't know what we know but also if that's the doctor's only defense and he does find out what we know then the doctor's in a pickle so like all of that um don't need to shoot king peladon from below to make him a bit taller than joe everyone's taller than joe uh and it's it's the, i i quite like the politics of this is that he's the king but Actually, he's he's obliged to do things a certain way. He can't just he can't just go. Well, I'm the king. I, I will do this, which are, I think a less a, 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 a drama with less um, sort of am, ambition might just go. Well, you know, the king is the king, and that's all he can do. Whereas this this is sorry, the king is the king, and so what he says goes. Whereas. You know, he's got to keep the people happy. He's got protocols he have to, has to follow. His high priest, church and state, you see, his high priest is almost more powerful than he is. Um, and I still want to know how this hair works, you know. Uh, do, they, do, they, do they dye it to signify that they're... I've never considered that they might actually... That it might be unnatural, because uh, obviously the, the, the miners of Peladon are the ones with... You wouldn't make yourself look like a badger, would you? You must be born as a badger, uh, and then you're sent down the mines. But that's a bit unfair. That's a bit sort of racial profiling, isn't it? If you're if you're one of the badger people, you have to become a miner. But I I want to do ballet. You're a miner. You were born a miner, and you'll always be a miner. I've got pink hair, but hang on. I I, I thought she was, have you been sleeping with the king or one of the high priests? Uh, no, you. I've heard of milkman with with pink hair. No, there's I've. I was a, I'm a milkman and my father before me was a milkman and we never had none of that pink hair. You've been sleeping with the king. 
Oh, King Peladon. And David Troughton, I think, does a really good job because King Peladon is a bit of a perk at times. <laughs> uh, I really like this scene between uh, the Doctor and, and Hepesh because Hepesh, Hepesh thinks he's a good, he himself is a good guy. And Pertwee, one step ahead, you know, killed or trying to escape, you know, he's not going to fall for any old tricks. And then this is a scene with no humanoids in it at all. Uh, or does humanoid just mean human shaped? Anyway, with no with no Earth people or Earth type people in it at all. It's a dialogue scene between uh, a, a stroppy stroppy ball of snot in a box, uh, 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 a high pitched cock, uh, and uh, and uh, a wheezing lizard. Uh, and it's great, and I love it. Uh, yeah, actually, pencils like that are quite trendy these days, ones that look like bits of wood. Um, um, and of course, because Jeffrey Toon, of course, comes to Doctor Who having been in the big screen version, whereas... I don't... Yeah, well, yeah, so he's not, he's not altogether uh, good. Because I was just thinking about actually, you know, people going from the TV series into the films, although Barry Ingham, because he, he, he's, he's in The Mythmakers and Doctor Who and the Daleks. But um, I suppose Philip Maddock is in the Dalek film before he's in any of the TV. So actually, most people who are in the... But because I think I came to... No, because I came to... Well, I came to Doctor Who and the Daleks, the film, late. Dalek Invasion of Earth, I always got... I always got the second week. I always missed Doctor Who and the Daleks. I remember crying, scorching tears because i'd missed doctor who and the daleks and doctor who and the dalek invasion of earth 2150 ad was on again and that always meant ah oh, they're doing the double bill and they did the first one last week and i'd see i saw dalek invasion of earth 2150 ad several times before i saw doctor and the daleks um and uh, jeffrey toon plays temesis the alan wheatley part in in the movie but yes as i've just talked myself around saying a lot of actors did the movies first and then came and did the tv versions um uh, uh, yeah. uh I, I love the little the little rocking movements uh i was gonna say i like the i like the veins on uh on alpha centaurus head as well but i i suppose that adds to the illusion that uh, lenny main wasn't terribly happy about but it it does mean it's better than a sort of you know just a sort of big ball uh you know it needs the texture to look to look you know slightly organic I mean, now you'd you know you'd add, gliss you know you'd add something glistening, wouldn't you? Although actually, I think I think Alpha Centauri is great, uh, and it's a it's a clever idea having the all of the arms attached to the to the one arm. Um, but but there is a sort of slightly mournful countenance to the sort of slightly droopy eye. <laughs> um, and I and I and I love. Uh, Arcturus is uh, bu bu bubbly liquid to the side. Oh, is there almost hugged Sorg then? Um, I really like Pertwee's uh, outfit in this. This is a great, it's not too, he says, looking at the frilly shirt and about to say, it's not too flamboyant, but it, it somehow isn't on Pertwee. As, uh, is it Larry Turner said, two people can get away with frilly shirts, Jimi Hendrix and John Pertwee. Uh, uh so uh, uh 
uh, I, yeah, I just had a thought then that I'm not going to share with you uh, about um, something else Jimi Hendrix and John Pert we have in common. But um, yeah, um, if you know what I mean, uh, keep that thought to yourself. But if you don't know, never mind. Uh, <laughs> and here is Katie Manning uh, walking through the corridors. Oh, yeah. Having a chat with Sorg. Now, does he sound like Barry Letts? Now you see Islier, that's quite Caribbean, I would say. I, I don't see why that's not Sonny Caldinez. But, as I say, others have done research. But, but you know, I think sometimes you have to have the courage of your convictions. And I, I don't see why that's not Sonny Caldinez. Although I am, you know, I am intrigued by the idea that it might be Barry Letts. But it seems to me too good to be true. It's too nice a story to actually have any credence um, and I've certainly never seen any evidence of it. Um, Alan, uh, Alan Berlin is great. I like this line about, yeah, uh, uh, Arcturus is a coward uh, and uh, Centauri is a coward. Alexa, volume five. I, and I, I'm sorry because I was talking. As it says, Arcturus is a coward by instinct, and Alpha Centauri is a coward by no. Alpha Centauri is by anyway, whatever. By logic, Arcturus is a coward by logic. Alpha Centauri is a coward by instinct, uh, and I love that. And then I love the fact that because we're still a little bit a step back from the Ice Warriors, going. But hang on, they're they're the bad guys. Oh, and hang on, why the heck is Arcturus listing in? Uh, because still here, we don't entirely trust the Ice Warriors, but we def But now we don't trust uh, Arcturus. I'd forgotten about his um, his uh, eavesdropping. Um, but yeah, we are st still slightly one step back from the other. He's going to do the walk into the camera thing. I love it when people do that. Um, uh, the, the, because the Ice Warriors are bad guys in Doctor Who. So we're still... You know, we've been primed to go. Ah, oh, come on! When are you gonna? When are you gonna show your true colours? It's not easy being green, um, uh, and 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 it plays with our expectations. So that then, when Islia does that bit where he goes, it has to be unanimous. You know, I I I voted in the Doctor's favour because he said, "Well, I it gets, gets you a little bit, doesn't it? If you're a if you're a boy's own adventure type like I am, you go, oh, I like that sort of that brave moment." Ah. You know that 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 moment of sort of honour. You know that 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 Islia does. Islia's great. Uh, that's George Giles as the as the as the captain who uh, who was uh, uh, I think well versed in musical theatre. I think both in actuality and euphemistically, if you know what I mean. Uh, I, I, I'm sure Terence and Katie, and I think even Lenny Main. Um, now, maybe Lenny hadn't been interviewed, but there's a few interviews where somebody said there's this guy playing, you know, the butch captain of the guards, and he was, uh, he was, uh, he, he, he was perhaps uh, slightly uh, uh, more, more, yeah, less, less used to uh, the cut and thrust of the uh, of the battlefields than the the cut and thrust of the uh, uh, some after hours acting club i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this but you know what i mean i'm saying he was very camp uh 
and uh, and in fact, my mum, I went to, went to see a production of The King and I and brought back a programme and he was there in it as one of the... Uh, so he was, you know, he was a big, big musical theatre guy. He's no longer with us, sadly, but he's, but I be, he's, he sounds from the, the, the interviews I've read that he was quite a character, you know, he's a bit, bit sort of, oh, you'll have someone's eye out with that, dear, of the sort that just keep you chortling away uh, on a long studio day. So, uh, and yet he's, um, he's, he's, as 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 convincing as he needs to be as the uh, as the guard captain in this, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe that he's secretly wanting to shimmy. So good for George Giles as the guard captain. Uh, I th- think he has a lovely moment in episode four as well that I'll probably get all soft about. Um, it's it's quite it's 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 yes. Dis-eliminated. And he means business. I love Alan Bennion as uh, uh, Islia. And I, and I really like how, uh, you know, Islia, you know, he's obviously very powerful. You know, he, 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 he could make them pay uh, if anything's happened to the Doctor. And, and he trusts the Doctor enough and is indebted to him enough for his uh, for his life that you know he will bring the full force of the ice rose to bear but it's not arbitrarily wielded force it is it is force that is sort of righteously uh, displayed because they're good goodies i love this this is a sort of definitive pertwee moment isn't it of him taming a dog basically oh my little bernard is asleep on the sofa over there but i like i love um that's a very pertwee thing and doesn't he s- scratch him behind the ear at some point which i adore pert was great at those little sort of touches um what's he is he gonna is he gonna stroke him now yeah oh i love i love the doctor's relationship with uh with agador uh and the fact that you know he he and, and the fact that the doctor's so sort of calm he goes yeah, it's just an animal and i just have to tame it and it'll be fine uh he knows exactly what he needs to do. It's a very doctorous... And, of course, Joe comes in and, you know, wrecks it like she does a, a Bunsen burner experiment. Oh, you silly cow. <laughs> in fact, the doctor is nicer to Agador than he is to Joe. He's not really. But but, um, but I, I, I love the little device on the screwdriver. I buy... That that works as a is a hypnotizing. Oh, I'd so forgotten the joke where he hypnotizes Joe. That is brilliant. <laughs> that is such a great gag. Um, <laughs> um, you've ruined another experiment, Joe. Um, uh, that's all right, you silly woman. <laughs> it's essentially the subtext, isn't it? It is 1972. You from 1972? Yes, me too. Um. Uh, great, good work on the uh, again. Good work on the positioning of the people. Um, there's, there's, it's it's not as not as cramped as it as it is as one might think. Um, but yeah, the doctor, and of course, Cleclida Partha Meninclatcherunarunarun, is to the tune of God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let is that it? Whereas it's 
it's the uh, it's the uh, it's the in, it's it's the summoning of Azal that is Mary had a little lamb backwards, isn't it? And that was all the stuff that was delightful um, anecdotage when one read, you know, Doctor Who a celebration or the first interviews. Uh, and, and Curse of Peladon was uh, was was ground zero for a few anecdotes. The uh, the uh, uh, oh, and it's it's close your eyes, my darling. Well, three of them at least, isn't it? Complete a path for men in clutch. <laughs> Uh, now that he says quickly to path the men in clutch in uh, in the demons that's what he sends Bok away to as well isn't it uh, but that's a that's a that's a great joke close your eyes my darling well three of them at least <laughs> love all of that stuff um, Yeah, yeah. Oh yes. So, so of course, if they prove that Agador exists, that that uh, that will betray Hepesh's plot, um, and Peladon's not going to listen, is he? He's gonna he's gonna sit. But so so Hepesh has sort of had to play his cards now and show his his true colours really. Uh, that he's he doesn't want to listen to reason. Uh, you know, because if because actually reason will show that that Tepesh is is the bad guy, um, and now I think we're going to have a fight. Uh, now, of course, these guys are sort of up in a up in a cockpit, aren't they? And uh, uh, and the fight is uh, fight is 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 well below them. But I think that is uh, I think this is that's fairly well done because I've got a feeling uh, we now on film see. Look at that! That is an excellent shot from the ceiling of uh, the Terry Walsh Doctor <laughs> and uh, uh, Goran the King's Champion. Uh, the, the real sense of scale of that. Um, and of course, because we never see them in the same shot, as it were, as... Uh, as uh, oh, but Pertwee was still quite high up because he, he came from the rope there uh, as, as King Peladon and co, uh, because they're in the studio. Um but I think it's shot, it shot reasonably from below. Uh, this stuff looks great on film. Uh, up goes the rope. Uh, I'm, I'm never sure about... I suppose because he's... Grun the King's Champion is mute, presumably because he doesn't have a tongue, because he can make the noises. But I, I think when I read the book, I imagined him not making noises. I think him making noises is a little bit... It's... It, 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 it's it's it, it feels a little pejorative um uh you know it's the sort of yeah it's the sort of noise you would make if you were being pejorative about somebody that was that was uh sort of disabled or whatever i don't know i'm thinking out loud um well i'm speaking out loud which grun can't do but again he can make a noise so that i mean that's cheating what i, I mean there's nobody watching hepesh and the captain and going uh, is that really is that are they are they the rules uh because you know a sword against a wooden stick i quite like the way that it chops the stick down though um but but they've they've just given him the sword has nobody said that's against the rules surely isnir could now go all right well i'll chuck him a sonic cannon um but this is the only fight done by profile which is terry walsh's short-lived company 
having essentially nicked the gig off uh, Derek Ware, which poor old Derek was very unhappy about. Um, I had the I had the pleasure of meeting Terry Walsh. He died far too young when you think about it, sort of now. Uh, the you know then everybody seemed so old, but uh, I did I did meet Terry Walsh very very briefly, but uh, uh, I, I met Derek a few times. Um, uh, and this this was you know the, I think there's a bit there's, a, there's an illustration in the book. This is this I was I was actually worried that this would be interminable, but I like it. I like the the realistic sand. I like the realistic sort of filmy look of it all. Um, it's actually a very well done fight, and it's it's actually very well filmed. And I I thought there'd be a few more obvious Terry Walshes, and actually there aren't, because uh, because Pertwee's hair is less bouffant than, than we're used to so actually I, th- I, th- I think oh and of course the doctor won't kill Grun because the doctor is honourable yeah yeah live well you wouldn't kill anybody but, uh, but, but yes uh, and then we have quite a confusing cliffhanger I seem to think because uh, there's this lovely zoom there poor old David Troughton has to look around and then yeah, yeah you're not entirely sure what's gone on there uh, but that's okay and I of course I hadn't seen that because uh because uh, I'd, I'd seen the Doctor Who and the monsters, I'd seen it sort of edited t- together. But it is quite a confusing cliffhanger there. But you, you're aware that I think you're certainly aware that um, Arcturus, Murphy Grumbar, and Terry Bale had uh, had had sent a you know set a gun out because we know that he's got a gun because he killed a vase in Episode One. But I think you also know that that sonic cannon is the uh, you can make out that that Sorg. So, but but yeah. Somebody shot somebody. It's it's. I'd still I'd tune in next week, but it's it's quite a quick old, quite a quick old thing. But um, I was worried that that fight would last forever, and in fact, a lot of the episode was taken up by um, the Doctor's confounded escape. But that's not padding because in another story, the Doctor would be, you know, set free as it were, and uh, try and make an escape and then get caught and then end up at the end of the episode pretty much where he was at the beginning. But here, of course, he escaped. Uh, he was allowed to escape by Hepesh, which is a nice character moment for Hepesh. But also um, uh, encountered Agador. And so was able to do the bit where he found out that Agador was real. Uh, had a little bit of bonding with Agador. Um, a nice moment for Joe to be a klutz and the Doctor to accidentally hypnotise her. So that all worked very nicely. Um uh, although you know, minus ten points to Hepesh for <laughs> off in plain sight throwing your guy a sword. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think if even I think the king's power should extend to going. You can't do that. Uh, what is my favourite bit now? I have to be careful to plan ahead because I've got two things to do next episode, but I also. I also have to play the game a little bit. And I think my favourite scene in that is the one where, where Islia comes in and, and says to Joe, I voted in the Doctor's favour. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a bromance moment for me, that. Um, and that, I think, ties in with what one I nearly chose for episode one. And I'd better choose, because I wouldn't be surprised if Paul chooses it at some point. And it's the fact that the Ice Warriors are goodies. I think it keeps you guessing. 
I think it plays with your expectation. As I say, when I was a kid, it seemed like the most sophisticated thing of all time. That you suddenly, what? Not all monsters are bad, and some monsters, monsters that were bad, can be good. I mean, when you're however old I was, six, seven, eight, that is amazing. Uh, and I like the fact that Doctor Who threw that in. And actually, when you're a grown-up, it, it you know, it's it's also a little bit more complicated than that. It's uh, uh, you know, the, the the all the things that make the Ice Warriors are still Ice Warriors in Islia. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're powerful. They are sort of warlike. There's a sort of regality about them. Um, you know, he issues threats in this to, to Hepesh. Um, you know, he means business. Um, but they, they seem to have sorted their, their act out. Or perhaps, you know, if, if you're on their side, they're nice to you. Well, you know, a lot of, lot of people's countries, races, whatever you want to say, are, are like that. So I think I'm going to choose the fact that big switcheroo uh, from Brian Hales with his own monsters that the Ice Warriors are good. Um, from episode three, my favourite thing is that the Ice Warriors are the good guys. Um, when I was little and encountered uh, the Curse of Peladon entirely through the medium of the novelisation, yes. um, that revelation was mind-blowing. I mean, you put together a, a monster book where you list all the bad guys and then suddenly one of them isn't. I think that says good things about the show, both ethically and in terms of twistiness. Yes, Paul. Well, I didn't come to it through the book, of course, although we did have the book. It was one of the first books we had. But as I say, I came to it through. So I knew the Ice Warriors were in it, actually, but I hadn't realised they were good till I watched till I watched it on Doc 2 and the Monsters. I was too young to read the books properly, I think. Um so Paul is a little bit older than me, but uh, uh, we both the same thing. So actually, I'm going into episode four, where all right, we've got to choose two things. Two, so I've got two chances to fail. Two, one, up. This is a rare position. Talk about about turns. Never mind the Ice Warriors being good. Toby is in the lead uh, uh, with the planet. Peladon, but 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 next week will it all be snatched away from me to a margin of fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent? Who knows? But I am delighted that Paul, who is a you know proper writer and uh, scholar and uh, somebody who has turned his own fantastic imagination uh, and produced great work under the Doctor Who name. Uh, that uh, uh, he's, he's sprinkled me with a little bit of his stardust by being in accord with me there. So I cannot wait to see uh, what we have uh, both chosen for episode four and our bonus thing as we see how the cliffhanger is resolved, whatever that was about, uh, next week on the planet Peladon. But for now... They call me Toby Two One Up Hey Doak, which what they I mean they do right now, and they and I'm taking it for this small small little window in space and time where that is the case. Uh, uh, until next week when I'm back to being Toby Loser Hey Doak <laughs> all over again. But I shall enjoy my moment in the sun. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will speak to you next. Oh, we like the curse of Peladon in this house. Um, I hope you're enjoying it too. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. 
Well, thank you so very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest watching The Curse of Peladon was Paul Cornell, Doctor Who writer, at Paul underscore Cornell on Twitter, paulcornell.com on the internet, and in podcast land, Hammer House of Podcasts. These podcasts would not be possible without the support of patrons, who include Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, Ashley Knight, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, Nathan Martin, David Matthewman, John McClay, Rossa McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Matthew Newton, Dave Owen, Melvin Pena, Keith Pirry, Jonathan Potter, Kevin Parker, Richie, Dylan Reese, John Rivers, Jim Sankster, Matt Sawyer, Keith Say and Len Stewart. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. And if you would like to join their number, well, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. There, for as little as £3 a month, you can get advance releases. Uh, these happy times and places are, I think, about five months in advance now. And you get three releases per week as opposed to the maximum of two you get uh, if you're one of the non-patron types. Non-patrons get approximately 50 minutes of material uh, a week and uh, patrons get about an hour and a half. It, it varies. But patrons also get pictures of my dog. Higher tiers can get a badge or five, depending on how high you want to go up. But it's pretty egalitarian. The £3 basic package gets you most uh, things, and the most important things, really. Uh, and you can get a 10% discount on that package, or indeed any of them, uh, if you sign up for a year all in one go. Now, that might be quite a commitment, and you may well not want to make it, and I fully understand that. In that case, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. That's a bit like wandering past me busking, uh, quite liking the tune that I'm playing, or thinking I look particularly needy, and throwing whatever denomination you like into my cyber hat, my virtual hat. Um... I hate coming cap in hand, uh, but it's the way of doing things now. And uh, it enables me to spend proper time producing this stuff in a studio and doing research where needed. And uh, that's particularly important for the uh, Too Much Information podcasts, uh, which are part of this Toby Haydock's Time Travels malarkey. And you know what? If you uh, like those or these or indeed any of the stuff I'm churning out and you can't support financially, which is totally understandable. I know how tough times are then i'll tell you what costs you nothing go to itunes podbean wherever you get your podcasts from and give these five stars and a couple of positive lines of review that really helps and i like to think there's a little bit more to me than doctor who i'm a stand-up comedian i have compared excess malarkey comedy club in manchester every tuesday night for the past 24 years during the pandemic we went online uh, we're back uh, in the flesh and in the building now, 8pm every Tuesday at the Breadshed in Manchester. However, we have kept an online presence because we found we reached around the world during the pandemic and it was fabulous and some evidence of that, an archive of some of our best bits from the online shows are on twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey where once a month at 8pm we also do an online show, 8pm the first Sunday of every month, twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey, and that's me and four guests from the international comedy circuit doing uh, doing entertainment that is free at the point of contact. Free to get in. 
I actually didn't mention in any of the commentaries for Curse of Peladon. Uh, I think I've got a feeling I t- do a couple of bits twice. So that's something to look forward to in episode four. I repeat myself from episode two. But I didn't mention the um, the wonderfully dreary Australian female continuity announcer on because the video copy I had of this. Uh, well, I think I got my closing credits from an inferior copy, but I preferred to have the whole closing credits, even if they were sort of black and white because they've been multi-copied so many times because I prefer to have the full opening credits and full closing credits. I don't like edited compilations uh, or even bits that chop off the credits. I think these chopped off, you know, when it got to King Peladon's credit or whatever. Um, but but the only ones I could get hold of were the Australian copies of the full full episodes. The, the, the bootlegs of Curse of Peladon were all over the place because the, the, the sound was out of sync, even on the good, re- relatively decent colour copies. But for, yeah, for the closing credits... I had an Australian one, and uh, there's a great, great piece of luring you to next week where the, the, the continuity lady goes. And Princess Josephine receives a, 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 right, a right royal proposal in, in the next episode of The Curse of the Peladons, and it sounds like she's inviting you to a wake that she doesn't want you to go to. It's absolutely... But the way that she, she makes a right to royal proposal sound like the worst thing in the history of the world. Um, it's such a marvellous moment. I probably need to find out the name of that continuity announcer and interview her because that's the sort of thing that I do. But anyway, uh, always tickled me. Everyone talks about the, the guy at the end of Inferno who goes, and we might see the green man next week at the doctor. You know, uh, I like the guy who's enthusiastic about the green man. I'm, I think he's slightly better at his job than the dreary lady who's really pissed off about the curse of Peladon. <laughs> <laughs>